0: What repeat is ultimately trying to do is make it easier to get the next purchase. We call it kind of like N plus one. Yes, getting someone on subscription down the road is a benefit. But trying to get them onto a subscription after one purchase or before they've even made a purchase, our argument is that you actually get better lifetime value and better retention rates when you're just getting someone to come back and reorder in the way that makes sense to them and let them get into subscription when they're ready rather than forcing it.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the EcomOps Podcast. Today, I have Alex with me. Hi, Alex. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat. Yeah, absolutely. So I was really, really um, uh, amazed about uh, getting you on the on the call uh, because you have a really cool product, a marketer of a great product called Repeat. Uh, so getrepeat.io, the buy again button for CPG brands. Tell me a
0: bit more about that? Yeah, the buy again button for CPG brands. So what we have built is basically an easier reordering experience specifically for CPG brands. So if you think about everyday items that you buy, um, most of the time you're going to want to buy them again. You're going to want to reorder them or replenish them. So what Repeat has done is we have built basically a custom cart where you can send people who are buying for a second, third, fourth time to go and easily reorder from your brand. So we're focused on the retention side of the equation rather than on the acquisition. And it's all about that conversion point, creating a faster, easier, more convenient conversion point for a returning customer than sending them to something like a, a product description page home homepage or maybe a catalog page.
1: That's cool. Um... Now, you know what CPG means. I know what CPG (laughs) means, but maybe there are some listeners that don't know. So maybe you can explain that a bit. That's a really good call. So CPG stands for consumer
0: packaged goods. Uh, So think uh, food, snacks, uh, beverages like soda, um, skincare, cosmetics, basically things that you're using every single day. that's a really good, really good call. Yeah. Consumer packet, consumer package goods, everyday items yeah. that come in a package.
1: <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, it's uh, b- because we have listeners that are not from the US or not from the UK, and, and maybe the, the the term. Um. So I wanted to have to clarify it. Okay, great. Um. So uh, if I I forgot that right. So I have um such goods. So I'm I'm selling um soda, yeah. Um. um and. I want my, my customers to subscribe to get every um uh, every every month a CO2 cylinder for the soda machine. Then it's the right thing.
0: It, it is. So subscri- like I think the one thing that operators should really be looking at is there's actually a difference between subscription and reordering. So I think that there is a lot of pressure, especially in those everyday items to be moving someone to subscription. And I think that comes from a lot of outside investment actually would be my argument is you're getting a lot of venture capital into Ecom right now. And they're used to investing in tech companies that are all about subscription. So if we think about going into these everyday items, they're going to say, oh, get someone on subscription because there's a, there's a multitude of benefits to it. But if we think about getting someone onto subscription, me personally, I'm not actually subscribed to any physical products, but I do buy from the same brand over and over again. So mm-hmm. what Repeat's ultimately trying to do is make it easier to get the next purchase. We call it kind of like N plus one. Yes, someone getting someone on subscription down the road is a benefit, but trying to get them onto a subscription after one purchase or before they've even made a purchase, our argument is that you actually get better lifetime value and better retention rates when you're just getting someone to come back and reorder in the way that makes sense to them and let them get into subscription when they're ready rather than forcing it.
1: That's nice one. So it's actually more like the, uh, the buttons that Amazon released recently. Um, yeah? Oh, what, what were those co-
0: what were those called? Yeah, you'd like put them on your fridge and press the button yeah, and, then and it press just, the like, button show and you get order. Yeah. And and really. when you
1: have kids, it's really funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All of a sudden you have sixteen of them there because they were just pressing yeah. on it over and over and over again. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to give the customer or the consumer more agency over their purchase. If you think about... Subscriptions are great, but a lot of people might end up with more than what they need. They might open up their cupboard and then all of a sudden, coffee beans are just spilling out of there because they have so many. Or maybe they have toilet paper on a subscription and they're sitting there and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't actually have enough. So giving the customer the agency to say, hey, I need this again, um, it creates... It creates a better relationship with the customer. You're giving them the agency to make their own call rather than trying to force a subscription onto their schedule. And every customer is different.
1: So a nice use case would be uh, you you, you print out a QR code because I've seen on your website you're working with QR codes. So you print out a QR code sticker, you pack it on the door in your toilet. And once (laughs) the toilet paper runs out, you just scan it. Yeah, you can. So QR codes are one way for
0: someone to get to the repeat cart. Um, We actually do have some brands that are um, doing it on fridge magnets. So, hey, you have soda in your fridge, they have the fridge magnet there, you can see you're getting low, scan the QR code, just hit checkout and you got the next case on its way. Perfect.
1: And uh, how how can I think about that? So the QR code part, when I scan this, um, is is this an individual QR code or SMS or email for me as a customer purchasing the goods? So I just scan it and I have one click and it's uh, ordered or do I just go to a landing page? So the
0: QR... There's actually two kind of use cases of repeat. We called them personalized carts and we call them feature product carts. So in the QR code example, you would get a QR code that would go to the repeat cart. So it wouldn't be a separate landing page, but it would be a featured product. So that QR code goes to a specific product to reorder. Um, In the Soda example, it would say you have the variety pack. The QR code would be for the variety pack again. But when you start to use Repeat in other channels, such as SMS or email, we can use personalized links in there. So think Mm -hmm. like um, dynamic content inside of Klaviyo. So when you click that link, it's actually going to Norbert's cart. So it actually has all of your past purchase history. So you can start your order from there. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of Repeat is if you think like Amazon or the Starbucks app, as an example, I'm actually starting my order a lot of the times with a previous purchase. I just want the same thing again. Those personalized carts are doing that on the individual level for you so that you don't need to go navigate through the entire site to go find what you need.
1: Nice. Nice one. Um, And what shopping carts do you work with? So are there any specific ones or just Shopify?
0: Yeah. So today we are just Shopify. We're Shopify exclusive.
1: no immediate plans to change that, but we'll see how things go. Yeah, nice. And do you have some kind of API as well? Um, because it's only connected to uh, Shopify, I think there is no need for any additional API.
0: So there, there isn't an additional API right now, but that, that could be a potential future use case for us to get onto other
1: carts. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, what is your typical customer? So, do you have a particular size of customer that starts using that, or do they come from from very small uh, startup niche, just started to do that, or what is your your client base look like? Yeah,
0: so. Not not the brand new business on Shopify. Obviously, when you are a company focused around retention, there needs to be some initial traction there for it to make sense. Um, so our ideal customer is, like I said, CPG, so food, cosmetic, beverage. Um, they, have some, they have some initial traction or maybe they're just getting started in direct-to-consumer Ecom, but they have an established retail presence. So they're not a brand new brand. They have some traction. Maybe they're at that, like, I don't know, they're doing a couple hundred thousand dollars in their D2C operations, and maybe they have a bigger business in retail, but starting from there upward in the CPG space. Okay, great.
1: Uh, now you have um, yeah nearly a decade worth of experience in marketing and specialized in marketing for business de- uh, in, 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 with a business degree. Uh, how did you land into e commerce? <laughs>
0: I like to say I kind of trip and fell into e-commerce by accident. Yeah. Um, I came out of school. I started at a small company. It was called Sweet Tooth at the time. Uh, they rebranded to Smile.io, which is a loyalty provider for Shopify, um, and basically got my start there in the e-com world, specifically in retention. Got to work and implement thousands of loyalty programs for brands in in that really found a passion for not just e-commerce but specifically retention like how do we allow brands to grow through their existing customer base and i think the the following 8 years from there was all about like hey how can i how can i help brands do that so going from loyalty programs then over to loop in the returns and exchanges space and now over to repeat with like basically solely focused on retention um but yeah that's how that's how i got in and uh for better or worse i'm I think I'm tied to the e-commerce and retention space now for the rest of my career. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um,
1: how, how does it work with Repeat? So I'm, I'm a Shopify store owner. What do I need to do to, to enable a Repeat? Um, and how much does it cost me?
0: Yeah, so to enable it, um, just go to getrepeat.io. Click get started. We actually do a lot of the setup for you. Um, So if you're a brand, we'll help you get set up, help you map everything into the cart, get you going. Um, In terms of the price, uh, so if you do under 2000 subscription or non subscription orders per month on your site, it's actually free to use, and we take a percentage of the revenue generated through the cart. So, in those lower brands, it's actually a ten percent of what gets put of what is sold through the cart. But there's no onboarding fee, there's no base fee. It's just easy to get start. From there on the on the larger side, um, starts around four ninety nine a month, um, but kind of works its way up from there i won't go through all of the individual tiers but essentially there's a free print free plan if you're a smaller brand with a revenue take if you're a larger brand it is a cost per month and a much smaller revenue take in the cart okay got it got it
1: um i've just seen you also have your own podcast so you're also a host that's cool the shelf um, life yeah Oh yeah, um, what what episode or guest have you uh, found most valuable for your uh, for learning? That's a that's a really good question.
0: Um, the Shelf Life is an interesting podcast because we have the Shelf Life. It's kind of uh, a play on words for what's happening in the CPG space. Everything has a shelf life. And that's what the podcast is actually all about. Is We're going to have rotating shows because we believe that every type of content gets stale over time. It has a shelf life. So we'll be rotating them out. So right now on the sh- on the shelf life, we have what's called customer hat. And it's basically asking brand owners not about what they're doing with their brand, but what they're like as a customer. So we get them to put their <laughs> customer hat on okay. and talk, talk to us about that. So... I, to choose just one guest is really hard because everyone coming on, they're just sharing such different perspectives. Because like the argument at the beginning of this ep- of this podcast was every customer is different. And it's really interesting to get those brand founders to think like a customer and see what that's like. We've got people saying, Oh, I don't care about discounts. like, I- It doesn't matter to me. We've got people saying, I might spend an hour searching for the best price on the internet. There's just a lot to learn when we get people to think differently like that.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. And um to be honest, I would not even could tell you which podcast I like most. So um of, of our podcast. <laughs> so um no, it's it's really, really interesting. Um one what what I'm really curious about is um I I, I for me as a, if I would be a shop owner, yeah, um and, and I would I would have my orders um each and every day and and seeing people that come back and, and place orders, um how could I think about or how could I uh, measure the success when I introduce something like repeat? You know what I mean? So I'm not sure, should I do this? Why should I do this?
0: Yeah, I think with any any retention tactic that people are trying to implement, one of the ways that I think is often used as the way to evaluate that is customer lifetime value, CLV, LTV. Um I personally think that's a hard one to use to evaluate your success. One because everyone measures it differently. And two is there isn't a whole lot of brands out there that actually have enough data to be like, okay, here's what's going on with customer lifetime value. If you break it down, it's essentially average order value, purchase frequency, customer lifetime or T. That T value or lifetime is like in almost impossible to know what it is. So, you see a lot of people shrinking that down and looking at like smaller cohorts. It gets a little confusing and complicated quickly. What I like to look at on the retention side of things is actually just focus in on that purchase frequency. Take a look at how many times someone's buying during your average repurchase rate. If you sell grand pianos, that might be every 10 years. If you sell soda, that might be every one month. Take a look at that and see what your repurchase rate is in that time window, or even look at your re- uh, your time between purchases. Are you able to shrink that? If you're using something like repeat, the hope is you're making reordering easier and people are going to come back to do it more often and they might actually shrink the time it takes to get between those two. So purchase frequency, time between purchases, that's what I would be looking at. For repeat, but also just for retention tactics in general. Mm-hmm.
1: And when do you think should people in e-commerce push such, um, yeah, not subscriptions, but re-re uh, um, purchases, <laughs> reordering? I think that it's important
0: for every brand to be thinking about how you make a reorder easier, or how you make it easy to come back and buy again. Um, Obviously, if you are, if we think about kind of like the funnel, it's you need someone to know, you need to get awareness, you need to drive that awareness into interest and like an actual purchase of your product. If you're a new brand and you're still focused on like, how do I get kind of that product market fit? How do I find a, a sustainable way to be driving those first time purchases? As soon as you have at least one channel where that's effective, that's when I would start to be looking at, okay of the people coming in through this channel, what is my strategy? What are the tactics that I'm going to be using to get them to come back and make another purchase? Mm. And again, you can be looking at something like repeat for the reordering side. And then there's like, that's like the immediate. And then there's things like loyalty programs, referral programs that are going to help with more of like the long-term outlook on that retention play as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Got it. You have said that ads and promotions are not a growth strategy. They are just an illusion. Tell me more about that. Oh, we talked about me being a marketer.
0: So as a marketer, I have to be super dramatic, right? I have to say something like that to, to get the hook. But I listen, like, Paid acquisition, specifically social in the ecom world, it has changed drastically. Like especially over the last year, you look at like iOS fourteen, iOS fifteen. The way we market online has completely changed. So that idea of it's an illusion is more based on it's becoming more expensive, less effective. You have less information about your customer than you ever did. That's why I'm so passionate about the retention side of the equation. is It's becoming super difficult to get a customer. You need to be maximizing the value of that customer over time. And when I say that, I'm not saying like go extract every dollar out of that customer. That's not what it's about. It's about how can you create that relation with the customer, encourage them to be reordering, but there is value that people can be providing beyond just reordering from you. If you provide an amazing experience, like word of mouth, it's almost impossible for us to track online. But it does play a. It is a key in the growth strategy of pretty much any online brand.
1: Yeah, got it. Well, it's it's absolutely legit that you that you that you um said this because absolutely true. Um, the, the costs are increasing dramatically. We see it, uh, of course, especially also uh, because of Corona. Um, we 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 have the situation that um everyone is online now. Everyone needs to make marketing, and of course, the budgets blood into uh, Facebook and and Google ads. And uh, yeah, this this is the the current situation. It's expensive. So looking on the existing customer and putting them, pushing them to purchase another item, um, absolutely uh, a a good strategy. Now, You offer also an introduction to retention marketing um, in Skillshare, um, a class that you have. Uh, What is the main takeaway you hope your students get after completing your class? Yeah, so that that Skillshare
0: class is kind of the basics of retention marketing and community building. And I think the biggest takeaway from that is, listen, when we say 2022... I've heard a lot of brands say, retention is going to be a focus for me this year. And when we start talking, okay, what... What specifically are you focused on? Oh, I'm just focused on retention. If we flip that around and someone said, Oh, I'm just focused on acquisition, we wouldn't accept that as an answer. There's so many facets of acquisition that we'd want to dig deeper on. So the class is kind of painting that picture of retention isn't a strategy, it isn't a tactic. It is an overall strategy. And using like your average order value, your purchase frequency to pick what retention tactics would make sense for you. So obviously, like high purchase frequency, low item value, think something like coffee that's where like your, lo- your loyalty programs are going to make a ton of sense. But if you think like low purchase frequency, high item value, that's where like those typical traditional plays that people are always talking about aren't necessarily going to work. So the key yeah. takeaway okay. is understanding your business and choosing a tactic based on the realities of your business, not someone told me this on the internet, so I should do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. Thank you. Um, let's talk a bit about automation. How important is automation for you uh, in your company? Automation for repeat or automation of repeat? In general. Yeah, in general. I,
0: I might be a bit of a weirdo on this one, but automation is important for... I call it putting things on rails, is once you've discovered something that works, trying to find a way to automate specific components of it so that you can take something that maybe wasn't scalable but was working and try to find ways to make it more scalable. Um, Again, the the marketer in me is... I always want to find... Especially a retention marketer is I always want to find those areas where you can really wow someone. And a lot of times, some of that stuff isn't necessarily going to be scalable. And you might not be able to put automation to it because it loses some of the... I don't know, the the power of it when you do it that way. So for me, it's trying to find those places where I can automate and be able to do that versus the places where I actually don't want to automate because I want it to feel
1: a little bit more personal. Mm -hmm. Got it. It's good. Um, What will you be focused in this year and the rest of this year? What are your plans? That's a great question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, just kidding. At at Repeat, specifically on the marketing side, we're we're really focused on the community side Mm -hmm. of things, the community play. And we want our customers or even just the CPG space in general to see Repeat as a place where they can hang out where we're not necessarily trying to sell anything, but we're just trying to be as value-add as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a Slack community right now called CPG House, got about 200 brand uh, founders, operators in there where we're running events every week to help help people with their marketing strategies. Um, we've got the podcast, like you mentioned, started. And 2022 is going to be about... On the, at least on the marketing side of Repeat, it's going to be about how do we, how do we get into more channels, in there? How do we get our blog going? Do we get into social? Do we have like is there a is there some sort of channel we haven't even figured out yet? But it's really about that community side of things for us over the next year.
1: Awesome, great. Um, last question for the day: um, Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Oh man, that <laughs> that's a bad one. I yeah, love it. <laughs> yeah, you, you got you got all the hard questions. Um, I
0: don't know if there's any one person. It's just every single time that here's something that that happened that I think gave me the most insight into what's happening in e-commerce that maybe a mentor or a specific person couldn't. And when I was at Smile, I I moved from marketing into product management for a bit and to get a better understanding of what was going on in e-commerce, I actually started my own store. Um, so, I decided that I was going to work both on the tech side of e commerce and be an actual operator myself. And I started a men's grooming brand and I ran that for a few years. And I think that that gave me the most insight on e commerce. And mm-hmm. again, it was there was a lot of people who helped in that, but it helped me figure out like, oh, I have shipping questions. Like, let me go figure that out and find someone to talk about shipping. Oh, I have. Um, I have like a I have branding questions. I'm trying to build a brand. Like who should I be talking to about that? So I think what I'm what I'm really saying is doing it yourself is a is a great teacher, but also going into something with specific questions on what you're trying to achieve helps you connect yourself with the right people to have that conversation with instead of having just one person who you're going to to
1: learn from. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. Um was really a pleasure talking to you. Um to summarize that, take a look for the for the for the store owners. Take a look on 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 repeated orders. How you can make them or make the customers more easily get into an order repeat um, functionality. Not. Getting them into the store, log in, go to the um historical orders, find the right order, put that on autopilot and give uh the, the users a bit more flexibility to get the products they need on a daily basis ordered quickly. Yeah. And the second thing is get a QR code for your toilet if you need toilet paper. And if you sell toilet paper, do that. I think, yeah, uh, good good approach, especially during Corona. Yeah, uh, I, th- I don't know. Did, did you have the same uh, situation in in uh, in the US than we had in Europe? That toilet paper was completely <laughs> off. Don't know why, but it was off.
0: We did. I'm. I'm actually from Canada, and we did Canada, have the. Canada, yeah. we, had, we had the same problem when it when it first happened. You couldn't worldwide. find toilet paper anywhere. Yeah, it was it was a
1: worldwide thing. Worldwide thing. So if, if I uh, would have uh, been able to know that before, I would absolutely purchase stocks <laughs> for toilet paper companies. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you very much. Was really pressure, and uh, have a great time. Thank you for having me. And that's it for this episode of the EcomOps Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for EcomOps Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app, and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.